This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. This is Inside Story with Sharmila Ganesan, Lee Shui Lin, and Sharad Kutin. Tonight, dealing with the rising costs of living, especially with year end pressures. First, we check in with the financial planner to discuss how to cut down on expenditure without denying yourself too much. And then a quick look at the announcement that electricity tariffs will remain the same for home users as well as SMEs. So tell us, have you noticed costs going up? What money-saving tips do you have and that you want to share? You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08 and let's start with a survey that was carried out recently by research firms Blackbox and ADNA. Um, This involved 9,000 adults from Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, Vietnam and the Philippines. And they found that 90% of Southeast Asians have noticeably cut down their spending and household costs. So the reasons for this are manifold but also I think fairly Predictable in that they're shared by a lot of us. So they were attributed to the pandemic, to rising costs of living, energy crises, uh, geopolitical events and the escalating climate crisis. Uh, The results also showed, again, predictably, that high-income shoppers were more protected from this, with their spending habits less impacted overall. Um, There was a 9% dip in overall online spending this year and 67% of the 9,000 Southeast Asians... um, who participated, feel more worried about the current state of things. Yeah, that's uh, interesting because uh, I I don't know what the survey was targeting, but it does seem to be uh, one of those surveys that is not looking at sort of broad issues because the comparisons also between countries with such differing levels of affluence as Singapore versus, say, in Indonesia, you know, a huge archipelago. So, but when we bring the story home, I think it's easy to see how patterns here, you know, echoed throughout the region, perhaps throughout the world. So I agree. I think that there are many differences in terms of what these different countries um, and their economic potential. But if we look at the findings, there are actually similarities in terms of the things we are thinking about and how we might be taking measures, right? Because, um, the survey found that um, because of rising inflation and interest rates, four in five respondents talked about the inflation as being their current biggest challenge. One in five talked about in, uh, rising interest rates. And um, when asked what they do to cut down on spending, the top five measures that came up, uh, eating cheaper meals at home, cutting back on outdoor dining, opting for more discounted products, buying from cheaper brands, cutting down on food delivery. Um, you know, and I think if we just sort of sum that up, it comes down to spending less or trying to save when it comes to what we eat and how we choose to go out and, and seek entertainment or, or meals. Um, and on the other hand, also just making more prudent choices in terms of the things we buy uh, in terms of brands and I'm glad we're talking about it today, uh, partly because the reason this survey was conducted uh, is, you know, it's year end, which means that now is the time to come up with these numbers and compare it to years past because we're almost done with 2022. But the other thing is... Christmas. Christmas with uh, Chinese New Year hot around the corner, which means that it is a time of year when many of us will be feeling lighter of wallet um, and also a time where many shops will be offering all permutations of discounts you can possibly imagine to try to get you to spend more. And I think that uh, this is the first year that people will be back fully out there spending, fully out there in the position of having to meet people again and therefore purchase gifts or meet people again and therefore have to prepare for their house to be visited. You know, there are all these things that are going on. And I think um, it's a timely, it's timely to talk about money because as someone who has, um, you know, been wandering around the malls recently uh, to get what is actually a late start on Christmas shopping, I've been really taken aback by how much things cost. And it feels almost like they snuck up on me and I wasn't even aware. Um, You know, food, I think, because we 
all eat every day. You, you can see the differences day to day, month to month. You can notice the difference. But on retail items, I think I was not prepared. I sent Sharmila like an incredibly affronted message um, last weekend about the cost <laughs> of books because a, a hardcover novel now in its first run, a, a new hardcover novel, can go for as much as 160, almost 170 ringgit. And I just, I love books. We have a show about books. I, I But I was so horrified at that price. But is it because of, of with books in, in particular, we're looking at imported goods, um, and and that's that's the first thing, right? With anybody who's shopping uh, and who's even basket of groceries consists of of imported goods, of you know cheeses and and meats that come from overseas and stuff. That that already was going to be a big burden on your wallet, and that's been happening for some decades now. Absolutely, yeah. But that said, um, you know, Lynn, you and I were talking talking about eating at uh, a banana leaf restaurant. I want to, yeah. And how much more the drinks cost now, right? Um, was it about three ringgit for uh, Teo Aisley Mao? It was not three ringgit. <laughs> it, was, um, it was seven ringgit for a, a small cup of iced lemon tea and five ringgit for a Teo Aisley Mao. And um, look, lemon would you pay as much or twice as much as a Starbucks? Um, yeah. So I don't do that. Mm. Is the thing. So um, I think it's the question of how you how you safeguard your spending and the things that you are surprised by. Because I don't actually. Um, that felt very boomer millennial all of a sudden. Starbucks. Cut down your Starbucks and you'll save money. Avocado <laughs> toast is coming around <laughs> yeah, the corner. Yeah, yeah. Slow train. Right, no, you know? but in all seriousness, because I, I know that some things cost more or more expensive, I actually do not do that. They're, they're not a part of my monthly expenditure. They're not things that I get to treat myself, which is why I'm surprised when my standard order drink, which I get at, at a mama, banana leaf, you know, what have you, comes around and I'm like, Oh, I paid almost 20 ringgit for drinks alone. And they were just, you know, tea. I think the thing is, um, actually, to your point about the expensive imported goods that you would expect to be expensive versus everyday items is that when you say make a prudent choice, yes, I can choose to buy a cheaper brand of something, a more local product. But when even the cheaper choice is now more than I'm used to it, used to it costing, that's when we run into problems because how much more can I cut down before I'm now no longer affording myself um, most of the things that I'm used to to have a decent meal or to keep house or any of those things. Yeah, I think I think the middle class dilemma is that we have become accustomed to a particular kind of lifestyle and standard of quality of goods, right? So, the, the, and of course. The the harsh reality is the ringgit is shrinking. You know the economy. Uh, even though we're getting the same salary, everything is going up in price and such. But I really worry about it's it's the ordinary Malaysian who's you know that wonderful Malay expression. It's a very painful one. Ikat parut. You're kind of literally mm. having to eat. You know, like a, a roti prata for lunch or something dismal like that uh, in order to just sustain yourself through the day. And so the issues of malnutrition among children and its invisibility, I mean, that is, I think, where the real crisis is uh, and where this government is going to have to really step up. Well, just to close off on that, um, because we do need to get to our guest, uh, it has been announced that electricity tariffs won't be increasing for domestic consumers. Uh, so that includes home users and SMEs. And we'll be talking about the impact of that a bit later. Uh, but you're right, Sharad. I think um, it is really the B40 communities that will find this sort of price, um, this sort of rising cost of living um, extremely difficult to contend with because every small increase results in a knock-on effect that can soon become untenable. Uh, we will be speaking after this with a financial planner, Kimberly Law. Uh, but in the meantime, let us know, have you noticed costs going up? What money-saving tips do you have? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Break from mediocrity. BFM 89.9. It is 6.17. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we're talking about the rising costs of, well, the rising costs of living, really. And we're asking you, have you noticed costs going up? 
what money-saving tips would you like to share with us? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Kimberly Law, a licensed financial planner. Kimberly, good to have you with us today. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Have you noticed a shift in spending behavior among your clients? Is there more of a hesitation to spend? Well, frankly speaking, I don't really see the hesitation when it comes to the daily consumption, like day-to-day expenses among my clients. However, in terms of big-ticket items, maybe expenses for wedding, um, holidays, maybe buying a car, I can see that there is a delay or maybe they'll find cheaper alternatives. So in terms of hesitation, they would hesitate for bigger-ticket items. And according to a survey of 9,000 adults in the region, people are primarily cutting back on uh, food costs. They are also buying discounted products, cheaper brands. Are these the areas you would suggest for people who are worried about their finances to focus on? Well, these are the areas that can easily change. Well, you can't change your mortgage or loan repayment. So in terms of the daily consumption, the everyday uh, lifestyle, you can't actually cut down. So it's it's something that we would actually focus on. Um, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, like, um, how much do you want to save? And where are the areas that you can adjust? You can't adjust uh, loan repayments, but what you can adjust are your daily consumption, your food, your expenses in terms of transportation. Um, instead of taking Grab, uh, sorry, instead, instead of taking like the, the uh, e-hauling, maybe you might want to consider public transport. There are actually cheaper alternatives that you can um, go for and normally people focus on the, I would suggest to focus on the daily consumption. Yeah, so the argument has often been made about eating out and food deliveries mm-hmm. to the largest areas where people are cutting back. Uh, but they revolve around being time poor, right? People are u- using these options because this is the most efficient way of solving their problems. These are chosen as I said, for convenience, which can be a huge consideration for an overworked or busy person. How do you balance this, this, you know, this dilemma, convenience versus uh, cost cutting? Mm, well, um, I myself also uh, enjoy food delivery, but at the end of the day, uh, one must ask yourself, um, which is more painful, not having nice food on the table or not having enough money to pay rental or to for daily survival. So I know this is very extreme. So you must ask yourself which one is less painful. Uh, one of the ways when it comes to, to convenience, uh, I myself would actually do meal prep. I enjoy meal prep. It's one of the things I look forward to. Instead of uh, spending on food delivery, might as well we spend on uh, preparing meals for the whole week. You do not need to think much. You just have to uh, pop it in the oven. You cook it. You might spend about two hours preparing every preparing uh, a meal for the whole week. But in terms of uh, heating up, it only takes ten minutes. In, if you compare it to food delivery, it might take up to an hour if it rains. So one of the ways is actually to meal prep. So that is actually very convenient and something that I do myself. So, when we do think about how to cut down our expenses, what sort of financial stock-taking do we need to do, especially when it comes to spending? Well, you have to ask yourself, um, what is necessary? You know, what are your true needs and what are your true wants? So, people can't, I mean, I find that a lot of people can't really draw a clear line or categorize what is the real necessity and what is luxury. So if I give you an example, like, you know, you were mentioning about going to a mama. So if you want to eat, maybe you go mama, order something simple, or you can go to a restaurant to order something more expensive. So which one is more necessary to make sure your uh, your tummy is full or to make sure you have nice ambience? That is very unclear and something that we have to draw a clear line and we have to ask ourselves, do I really need to go to this restaurant? Or can I just get a simple meal, uh, you know, just a simple coffee shop, cheaper meal, as long as I feel uh, good about feeling full. So that is something that I would actually um, consider 
Um, and also, I can give another example, like going for gym. Uh, gym memberships are actually pretty expensive. So is it necessary to go to those really fancy Instagrammable gyms or can you work out at home? Maybe work out with friends. It'll be more fun. So what is necessity and what is luxury? That is very important. So a lot of people also sign up for subscriptions, right, and direct debit plans where money goes out almost unnoticed every month. Should we be cutting back on these or at least taking better account of them? Oh, these are very, very dangerous and one needs to be aware of it because all these microloans, they are so, uh, they are very small. The repayment is only like 10 ringgit a month. That's really little. But if you add up, it ends up taking up a lot of your salary because it's because it's so it's so small, but it is also very very dangerous. So we cannot we must be aware when it comes to sign up because it's so small. You might just simply sign up. Oh no, it's only uh, five ringgit a month or fifteen ringgit a month. But if you have ten subscriptions, uh, that is about hundred to two hundred ringgit a month. So we, these are actually blind spots. They are the hidden costs that really can eat up into your potential of saving. Now, we know that commitments like insurance can take up a large amount of your monthly salary. When is it the right time to reassess uh, what you're spending in terms of insurance? Well, insurance is a risk management tool. It is for you to, it's a cost to cover the risk or protect the risk that you're exposed to. However, if money is an issue, then it's better to see what risk you're exposed to and only cover that specific risk. Uh, if money is no issue, let's say you have a lot of money, you can buy all kinds of insurance. Uh, you have to really identify what kind of risk exposure you're exposed to. Um, you have to really see, uh, do you really, really need this? Or do you need a, or you, depending on your situation, do you really need to buy life insurance for, for your family? If you have family, then okay, that's great. Um, but if you have no dependence, you're only supporting yourself. So it might not be necessary to buy additional insurance because they don't really need it. It's better to spend that money elsewhere because at the end of the day, insurance is a cost. You mentioned hidden costs earlier, and I just wanted to expand and ask, are there other hidden costs or expenses that people often tend to overlook? Oh. Uh, the most common, and uh, I see a lot of popping up, is the pay later. Uh, that is very dangerous. Uh, I myself also eventually fell for it, like all these incentives, you get free, you get additional vouchers. Uh, all this pay later, uh, if you miss a payment, you actually pay additional costs for it. It's very, it's very tempting, but can also be very damaging if you have no control. So the the... That is the, the new tool. A lot of people say that credit card is very dangerous. However, the pay later is something that we need to be aware of. So on Twitter, eMacro says, instead of lamenting rising costs, it's better to improve oneself and strive for higher income. So I wanted to ask you to respond to that. But also, when is it more about needing to earn more money as opposed to making the best of what you do earn? Well, it's a very tough uh, question to answer, but it really depends on the person, uh, personal preference. Do you, uh, this person desire to maintain a very certain high lifestyle and unable to cut down costs? If that person wants to maintain this lifestyle or increase, uh, then that person should try to earn more. However, if one can manage their own money and they don't really need a very expensive lifestyle. They don't mind cutting down. Even though it's painful to cut down, they don't mind. So that person can actually uh, be happy with what they earn and manage it properly. All this is really personal preference. Yeah, I mean, to, to kind of extend that, is it possible to live frugal uh, in a frugal way and still enjoy life? Oh, definitely. Uh, so as my, my, uh, my job is to make sure that uh, one must be happy, you know, because we are humans, we are, uh, we are emotional beings, we are full of emotions. So we can, we have to make sure that we manage our money in order to stay happy, but also uh, look forward for the future. The common thing is uh, physically 
alive but financially dead. We don't want that. Uh, it's very, very important to make sure you find that balance. That So that's my job, to make sure that I not only focus on um, focus on the technical term where you, know, you need to manage money, cut down expenses. I also try to make sure I take care of like my clients' well-being to make sure that they can handle the strategies or uh, make sure they're happy. If they're not happy, then no point. What's what was there to, to live for if you have to live such a frugal and sad life? You need to find that balance. Kimberly, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you too. You're welcome. That was Kimberly Law, a licensed financial planner. Um, we have been asking you for your thoughts. Have you noticed costs going up? What money saving tips do you have? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We're getting plenty of tips already. Keep them coming. BFM eighty nine point nine. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM eighty nine point nine. It's 6.37. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we're talking about the rising costs of living and what this means, particularly as we move towards the year end and then later New Year pressures. Um, and so we're asking you, have you noticed costs going up? And what money saving tips do you have? You can call us double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, to kick things off, we have a caller on the line. Good evening, Jess. What are your thoughts? Hi. Good evening. Hi. Hi what are your Hi. thoughts? My thoughts. Okay, I totally agree. Cost has been rising up, and uh, there's a fa- I have a family of five, so we usually do. Once a month treat where we go outside to a local restaurant, but lately we notice, especially drinks, cost of uh, drinks are almost half the price of a meal. So to save costs, we had, we've been taking in our own water, you know, sort of like, so what has, what has been happening is, uh, I noticed that we, we have this favorite restaurant of ours where we pack our own water, but lately we've been getting these looks from the staff. You know, from the waiters. So we sort of like get this uncomfortable stares and looks from them when they come over and keep asking us, no drinks? Are you sure you don't want any drinks? So I'm just wondering, is anyone else feeling the same things that we are? And it's becoming difficult to visit our favorite restaurant because we're doing this. Uh, well, Jess, you know, I, I, for one, actually do notice that the drinks end up costing almost half the bill. And, um, you know, I, I do think that generally, I think drinking water should be free in eateries. Uh, so I, I can imagine that that must be quite uncomfortable. But uh, thank you. Thank you for your thoughts. If you'd like to call um, or share your thoughts with us, that number to call double seven double three two nine hundred. 900 You can also send us a voice note at 018-789-8899. There are a lot of people weighing in on the issue of drinks and, and trying to deal with that in their own way. Uh, let's start with this one from Mrs. Chan. For a start, I think everyone should go out with their own drinks, either in a flask or in a bottle. Stop ordering drinks when you go out to eat. That will teach them a lesson not to simply increase price. Teach them a lesson. Well, you know, I think you uh, what we we learn from a lot of these uh, shows about restaurants is that a meal often, I mean, the the produce costs about, and I think about a third of the actual price, right? Uh, and drinks are a, a, a very good way for uh, restaurants to make money. So I think that's why they often push the drinks because the margin between what the drinks cost and what you're paying. But and that's just the business model, uh, right? That, so and also I think when you eat family style. Um, for instance, you might not order the same amount of dishes as you have the people eating. Mm. But if you order drinks and everybody gets a drink and a juice and a canned drink and all the rest of it, that's how it adds up, I think. And yeah. if you're not having water, you might need to order more than one drink and then that adds up as well. Yeah, but I, but you know, for me, the cost of living crisis that we are having isn't about whether you have a drink or not or whether you have water, you have something, you know, like a frappuccino. 
it really is about the nutritional value. I mean, people are suffering from a nutritional deficit as a result of this cost of living crisis. So that's where I think the real issues are. And uh, yes, it's true. There are all these life hacks. And I think that's what we're discussing today, these life hacks about um, about reducing your costs so that, you know, the end of the month, you're not over in terms of, you know, the difference between what you earn and what you put out or your expenses. But I think the cost of living crisis is something other than this. Well, I for one though um, do get actually irritated not just with what Jess said about um, waiters or, or restaurateurs sort of side-eyeing you if you bring your own water, but even cinemas for that matter. And this is because I don't like buying single-use plastics in the cinema. Yeah. So I often prefer to carry my own bottled water. One, yes, it saves money because the water in the cinemas are often overpriced. But on the other hand, yes, it is actually better for the environment. Are you allowed to take them in though? You're not. If they if they check, often they will tell you to leave any um, any food or drink containers outside. Um, so yes, uh, Steve, for instance, says we should bring our own water to eateries. And in fact, at the same juncture, I do not buy books anymore. As during the heydays, I used I have bought tons of it, and now they're looming in the, looming in the house uh, since a couple uh, since a couple with the CDs and DVDs. Not to mention those obsolete cassettes. So books are an obsolete, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I think the the comparison to cassettes sets and CDs and DVDs and all the rest of it. Uh, th- that's a lot of hardware that we don't necessarily use anymore. I know there are e-books before people start telling me about their e-readers and the like. Um, but I find it sad that books are being lumped into this, partly because um, if there is a soapbox upon you know that, that I would talk about, it would be to support local bookstores, to support booksellers, to you know kind of embrace that. But And then, of course, the other side of it is if you are, in fact, then of course, you know, books are not going to be top priority. Can I say, though, that's why it irritated me so much when the tax relief for books and reading materials specifically got folded into lifestyle yeah. relief. Because I think it says something when you don't offer tax relief for reading material, which is already too expensive in Malaysia. You know, I have a friend, uh, he's not Malaysian, and he, he said to me the other day, Malaysians have a lot of things. And I wonder if, you know, because uh, our sense of what it is to be modern affluent is to, in fact, accumulate a lot of things, that we have become a society driven by this, right? And if we look, and sorry, this is the Marie Kondo moment, you know, uh, is that we have cluttered our lives. And so maybe decluttering, if I offer a hack, it would be decluttering uh, as a way of uh, reducing not just your cost, but rejigging your life and your relationship to uh, things. I don't think it's unique to us, though. I I will just offer that, that if we're talking about middle class consumer capitalist societies, uh, we are hardly alone in that. Um, But to add on to decluttering, I used to uh, declutter and give away. And I've since found, um, especially if you're talking about things like textiles, clothes, um, that if you are giving away your clothes, unless you're being very particular and specific about where it is those clothes are going to, they often end up in landfills or they often end up um, not being recycled in the virtuous way you imagine it would be. And so um, I would add on a tip, which is to sell your items. You don't have to sell them for great profit. Um, but I think that when you, this is something that I've been doing, so I, I've been thinking about it. Um, I think that when you sell your items for a, you know, for however much a price you want to put on it, um, you're part of the circular economy. You know where it's going to go. Um, More often than not, someone paying for it also means they're more likely to care for it, uh, perhaps. So, yeah, um, I'm not suggesting that you monetize your life and your belongings, but that if you are decluttering, it's worth making the consideration of what it is that you give away to, say, a charity, assuming that they'll take care of it versus you taking care of it yourself. We also have this voice note that has come in from Bing. There's this interesting show, I think probably 10 years ago, uh, where it was done on Astro. Uh, it's a Chinese show about one day having a meal for 50 ringgit, for having five meals at 50 ringgit. Uh, I recall that uh, Trilling was the host for that show, maybe 10 years or 15 years ago. And in that show, she will try her level best to have five meals in a day with a budget of only 50 ringgit uh, compared to today. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> I don't know how to take that laugh. It was so... Uh... 
painful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, five meals for 50 ringgit. I think that's very possible, but I'm not sure how much variety you get within the five and um, how much, to your point earlier, Sharat, nutritional value. This is always the thing when people offer advice, especially to people from the B40 community and say, oh, can what? You can have one meal for five ringgit. You can have one meal for 10 ringgit. What is that meal though? How much does that include? Are you able to have sufficient amount of proteins and vitamins and so on within that bracket that you supposedly think is possible? Never mind protein. Can you get vegetables? Yeah. You know, can, can you get, can you purchase a meal with vegetables for that amount? The, the cost of vegetables right now. Yeah. So this is the thing, right? So I know people will say, you know, oh, well, if you go to some grocer and, you know, and you're getting all these fun things that you do obviously have a huge bill at the end of the day. But actually, if you just go down in my neighborhood, I go to the market and I go to some of the local Kadairun shit and things aren't necessarily cheap either. And I I think of myself as extremely fortunate, somebody who's largely insulated from the cost of the living crisis. But and and I can't imagine what it is like for a family. I just can't imagine how they're surviving when the cost of chilies or any of these things have, that are so basic to an Asian meal and the, you know, the things that you put into an Asian meal. So even if you're prepping at home as a way of saving money, the, the cost of it is huge now. Um, and I think also the point about how it is always easier to buy in bulk when you earn more uh, versus someone in a lower income bracket because buying things in large amounts um, is, is expensive and, and it's a one-time large investment. Um, anyway, uh, we will continue the conversation after this, but do keep those thoughts coming. Have you noticed costs going up and what money-saving tips do you have? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at B. FM Radio. Best flipping moments. BFM 89.9, the business station. It's 6.49. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we are talking about rising costs of living and uh, ways in which we can uh, make do without giving up too much, hopefully. Uh, and we're asking you, have you noticed costs going up? and what money-saving tips you have. You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can tweet us, you can WhatsApp us, um, and we still have plenty of thoughts coming in. Let's start with Steve on this side of things. Uh, Steve says, get a credit card with cashback that suits your spending patterns. I get 30 to, ringgit, uh, 30 to 50 ringgit cashback every month just on petrol, food and groceries. Just make sure you don't overspend and you fully settle the monthly statement balance. It's literally free money if you do it right. Um, I thought this was interesting partly because there are other... Um, there are other points coming through of people just saying, I would never get a credit card and this is my solution to, you know, trying to manage my spending is to not get one. And yet I've heard this said before and I think it makes sense. I do think it requires a certain degree of responsibility, self-control and financial um, buffer to begin with to be able to do this. I think getting a credit card in many ways can be a double-edged sword, right? Because on the one hand, um, yes, you can have these sorts of uh, perks. But yes, absolutely, on the other hand, unless you are committed and disciplined enough to be able to do what Steve is saying, which is to fully settle your monthly balance, um, there are issues of, and not just, not just not settling your balance, but all the easy availability of, for instance, your buy now, pay later schemes, uh, being able to pay for things online without thinking about what you're spending on because you're not dealing with hard cash um, I think there are quite a number of pitfalls yeah as somebody who's who has fallen into the pit myself I must say the credit card thing is dangerous for a number of people and I think not because of frivolous purchases but what happens when the credit card in fact becomes essential to the way in which you manage your finances that you're kind of rolling over and postponing kicking the can down the road because you'll say yes the interest rates are high but in real absolute terms, that is what you can deal with. And that, I think, you know, when we look at what is happening to middle class Malaysians when they're using their credit card to pay for, I don't know, for school fees or a whole range of things that they shouldn't be, in some sense, using the credit card for, right? I mean, and what I mean paying, not just that you actually do the transaction with the credit card, but you actively think of the credit card as a way of postponing the inevitable. No, that's exactly it, that you sort of live from... Um 
bill to bill without ever actually making that payment. And then eventually, you're going to have to make the payment at some point. Uh, we have a number of people making point uh, that all revolve around uh, vegetables and our consumption of them. Uh, Sue Eng, for instance, is saying going vegetarian or largely vegetarian is one way to save. Even if vegetable prices have increased, there's still a cheaper option to meats, right? And you can also grow your own tiny vegetable garden easily, whereas you can't grow your own chickens, cows and so on, at least not in urban areas, which is where many of us are. Chris, meanwhile, says depending on the types of vegetables or fruits, always buy from discounted expired ones. Very often I find that those are still edible. It just looks ugly or slightly rotten from the outside. Overall, it's still safe to eat. I have a garden. I mean, in my balcony, I have vegetables and I do harvest. Unfortunately, I overharvest sometimes. And so the, the plant dies. So, but I'm trying to contain myself. But yeah, assuming I think, you know, vegetables are wonderful as a meal in terms of nutritional value. Um, and maybe they are cheaper. And growing is an option. A lot of us can, in fact, grow some level of vegetables. But if you're a big family, I don't know how it's going to work. Mm, especially if you're going to take into account the issue of harvesting, right? But broadly speaking, agreed. I think uh, going veg vegetarian or I like the idea of largely vegetarian because that's how I try to operate. So if you go on a largely vegetarian basis, um, I think it, it gives you still a little bit of flexibility, which is something I think we're not talking about enough, how in some ways even having Building flexibility into your budget, I think, is an important way of staying sane. I, I'm not sure how many other people agree, but for me personally, when I think about my finances, um, if I start get, getting stressed about expenditure, um, being able to be flexible and nimble when, when it comes to how I think about my budget is important. We have, uh, let's see, Shariza saying, "I started cycling to work when I can. Uh, when I, I started cycling to work when I can to save money. I save around seventy-five ringgit a week if I cycle instead of driving. That's a big gap um, in terms of how much you save." Well, you know, um, yeah, I could potentially cycle to work. I think I live close enough. Uh, I'd have to buy a lot of wipe downs. So You're I'm talking doing... about work here, work yeah. and house your house. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I guess you could, I but could. It's, I mean, it's traversing a lot of highways. Unfortunately, there's yes. a highway problem. But if you discount that in terms of distance, I would save a lot because I do because I don't own a car. That I, I when I look at my monthly or even weekly bill in terms of you know e-hailing services. I know there's only one really to talk about, but I'm not going to mention their <laughs> names on the air. Uh, <laughs> you know. So there is that. I mean, I think when we look at our cities, our cities should be designed, in, you know, if they were designed, so that you live and work in the same locality. Uh, we could have, we could all, all live in this way, but it's un it's unfortunate that we don't. Well, that and um, Shariza, I would love to know um, whether or not there is any offset of costs in. Um, I mean, if this is the case um, of you having to move closer to your place of work, because I think this is something that gets discussed a fair amount, right? That ideally, all of us, as you point out, Shariza, would like to to live and work within you know, a walkable space, uh, but that's not always the case. And then you also see people deciding to contra off the, yeah, I might pay more for rent, but then I get to save on transportation. So I'm just curious whether that's the case here. Well, we have Anil saying, I've started cooking my dinner after coming home from work and then bringing that same meal for my lunch. So no, I don't have expenses. So now I don't have expenses during office hours except for my parking and fuel. It really helps my wallet. Uh, so this is something that I try to do where possible, which is to... Um, make the one meal I cook last for at least two meals, which then means I don't have to spend on lunch the next day. Uh, and I think that's actually a pretty useful tip. Also saves on labour in terms of how often you're just sitting in the kitchen cooking. Okay, I want to uh, interrogate this idea of meal prep and cooking for yourself as actually being cost-saving because there are a lot of things that go into it. And if you're a single person, it, it, it's even more of a problem because you have to buy all kinds of condiments. and all kinds of This yeah. I agree. Yes. Yeah, and so it, it actually, you know, we always complain about the food we buy from shops and say, why is it so expensive? But actually, when you think about all that goes into it, um, it actually isn't quite still as expensive as you think it is, right? And Because in some cities around the world, and it, eating out is always expensive, right? It, we in Asia and especially in Malaysia have really cheap options when it comes to eating out. So I think the idea of meal prep is 
not necessarily for everybody because I don't think it's addressing how people really eat out. And- uh, you know, I, I agree. I also think, and this is not said with any judgment to the people who do enjoy meal prep. I tried and I failed. It's not for me. Um, but I think that there is a fair amount of virtue signaling around meal prep, that it has become a stand-in for, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm, I, I save money because I do this. And I think it's important to acknowledge that there are other ways to save money on food um, beyond meal prep. Although if it works for you and you're happy to eat the food you prepare even on the third or fourth day, I never have been, <laughs> you know, then, then more power to you. We have a couple of messages that are all, shall I say, on the rye side of things. Uh, firstly, Ro says, <laughs> Sharad, cycling to work from grabby to grubby. <laughs> Which I think if you are cycling on highways, it's not far from the truth. Ro, you don't want to see me in Lycra. I don't want to see me in Lycra. I don't think anybody, I think it'd be a crime against humanity. <laughs> Siu Eng, meanwhile, says, actually, is staying single arguably a cost-saving measure? I'm not sure, because I feel like when you're a dual income, you might save money. I think you do on rent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you would on rent. You would on... On uh, pantry staples, because yes. you're cooking for two. Or yes, a family. on food. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I'm not... I'm not convinced by that. Hmm. Yeah, because they're perishables. And this is one of the problems for being, you know, uh, when you're single is that, okay, if you go to the supermarket, you're kind of forced into these, uh, the quantities that they give you. When you go to a wet market, you have a little more flexibility. If you know the wet vegetable person, you could actually put together one person. Just sort of grab handfuls of things. Yeah, Yeah. and and they will price it for you accordingly, right? So I don't know exactly how the costs work on that, but it seems more reasonable. But single people always have a problem. I have a problem with wastage, food wastage, just because I can't get the right amount. (laughs) Keep those thoughts coming. We are talking about rising costs of living and we're asking you, have you personally noticed costs going up and what money-saving tips do you have? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. After the after the 7 o'clock news, um, we are going to be talking about electricity rates and the fact that they are not going to go up for domestic consumers. So some good news there. Keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Bring forth Moolah, BFM 89.9. It is 7.07. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sherrod. And we've been asking you whether you've noticed costs of living going up. And what money-saving tips do you have? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We have plenty of tips and thoughts coming through still. I'd like to respond to this one from Natalie who says, I meal prep every day and I'm largely vegetarian and nope, it doesn't save me money. Have you really consumed vegetables? <laughs> Sorry, that, that, that question really got to me. Have you really consumed vegetables? It's so expensive. Chicken breast, on the other hand, is much cheaper. Also, buying in the wet, wet market doesn't mean cheaper. I was charged two times the price in the pasta for the same grapes I can find in a major chain grocer. Also, I think being forced to go into the office is a waste of money. The time and petrol spend on the road is ridiculous. Um, so firstly, Natalie, I hear you on the vegetables. Uh, I I didn't want to be a Debbie Downer earlier, but it is true that eating primarily vegetables can really, really go up. Um, I try to choose local veg as far as possible. And even then, the the variation sometimes means you're not always sure what you're going to get. So yeah, vegetables being costly, absolutely. The office and the waste of money thing is coming through in other messages and we can discuss it later. But I do remember saving a lot of money working from home. Uh, Actually, Sherrod and I were just discussing this off air. So Natalie's message came in uh, quite coincidentally at the same time um, because we were talking about how also we often overlook that when it comes to a meal made up of just vegetables, you need a lot more to be full and to be full for longer. Uh, I'm not at all dinging people who choose to be vegetarian or vegan, um, but I do think that it's not as easy as we might think to say, oh, you'll save money if you give up eating meat. Yeah, and also, you know, to Natalie, your point about uh, being charged at a wet market. Wet markets, like like grow, uh, like supermarkets, vary, right? So, in, in fact, if you're the smart shopper and you get the best price, you'd have to go to many supermarkets. As and that you takes would, up 
Why? And you would have to go to many wet markets uh, and pasatani to to get the best deal because it really depends on where their suppliers, who their suppliers are, what deal they have with them. And then there's a whole question of quality as well because you can get cheap vegetables that are not that great in terms of produce. And then there's a whole other side of it which has to do with the nutritional content of our vegetables as well. And who's, who's you know, who, how do you even test for that? So you might buy nice plump uh, tomato that actually might have very little nutritional content of very low nutritional content. So that's another hidden problem with, I think, with any kind of purchasing of food that we do. So keep those tips coming. Um, you can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. But speaking of costs of living going up, um, some welcome bit of good news. It was announced that it was announced recently that electricity tariffs are not going to be increased for uh, homes as well as for SMEs. And so we're going to try and understand what that means Um in, in terms of uh, us as consumers. And so for that, joining us on the line is Datho Dr. Paul Silveraj, Secretary General of FOMCA. Datho Paul, thanks for speaking with us today. Yeah, sure. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. So the PM has announced that domestic consumers won't be affected by the electricity tariff hikes. Will this make a difference to the rising cost of living? I think it certainly will. I mean, consumers are already suffering from limited income and an exorbitant price increase in almost every other item. So I think every little bit helps. So this, uh, you know, they're not going to increase the price tariff on electricity. I think that really helps, especially for the low income. And if we look at average overall spending, how much is spent on electricity costs compared to other household expenditure? Now, uh, the third sex department lumps um, electricity, energy, uh, and housing, and it comes to 24%, which I think is quite high for households. So any saving there will certainly benefit in terms of facing the daily other uh, essential expenses. And, and regionally, where does Malaysia rank when it comes to our electricity tariffs? Actually, I was comparing it with, with, with other countries, and we sort of come more in the middle. I mean, Lebanon, for example, is about 0.03 US, whereas we are 0.05. So we seem to be more on the average rather than low or higher. That's where we are, yeah. So at the moment, what do consumers struggle with the most when it comes, uh, in a more general sense, when it comes to dealing with the rising cost of living? I think one of the things that when we talk of cost of living, you know, we, we talk about energy one day, we talk about chicken the next day, and then egg another day. I think the whole idea of cost of living needs a more holistic approach in terms of how households are spending their money. And of course, the number one issue is food. Huh? Food uh, prices, whether it's raw food from the market, as you just were talking about, or even cooked food, your mixed rice, all been going up exorbitantly. Yeah, And of course, in a broader aspect, the second is housing. Housing is extremely expensive. And people cannot afford, and this is one of the highest expenses at, where of household expenditure. But the third is transport. You know, I mean, I, you, you, I heard you mention that, you know, working from home saves a lot, but for those who have to go to work, uh, it's a big part of the expenditure. And even healthcare, you know, uh, a big, we spend a lot out-of-pocket expenses for healthcare, and even childcare services are going up. So we can see that when you talk of the cost of living, we need a very holistic approach uh, impacting on every level that, that consumers spend their money, especially low-income consumers. I think this is what we need to, to have a real impact on people's uh, lives, economic lives. And so what initiatives then would you like the government to implement for lower-income groups? Now, looking looking at you know the various areas of household expenditure, I think the first has to be on food. As I mentioned, food prices have been going up. We have underinvested in food production. Only 12% of our agricultural land is on food. We are only dependent on imports. We spend more than 50 billion. So when we spend money like that, there's a very serious impact. For example, our, when our dollar goes down, all imported food prices go up. And when there is a war, prices go up. When other countries refuse to sell, prices go up. So we need a strategy in terms of food security to ensure that food is both available and affordable for Malaysia. So food has to be the number one priority. A second is transport. Um, our last mile is very weak. I mean, only 17% is public transport. Whereas the six departments say we spend 20 to 30% on, on transport. Uh, I think uh, especially if you're, you're, you're driving to work and stuff like that. We have never really sorted the, the last mile, the, the bus system, you know, so 
uh, people end up using cars, and I think that's a very expensive proposition, yeah? apart from the traffic jam and the pollution. So we need to address, to increase the number of people using public transport, both in terms of reducing costs, as well as um, you know pollution and, and, and things like that. The third is I think we, we need to invest in, 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 in healthcare because our public healthcare system is good, but overburdened. So when it's overburdened, people have to wait long. They end up going to um, going to private hospitals, and a lot of them who do not have insurance end up, you know, spending their money. Uh, our what we call out-of-pocket expenses extremely high compared to other countries. So this seriously impacts on 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 household uh, cost quality of life, and of course, healthcare is something that you don't you don't really have a choice. The other areas of course, childcare services is also going up, and I think this also needs some kind of concern, some kind of policy to enable, you know, to deal with, especially with low-income families have children, you know, whether they can send some place where they stay. So th- these are some of the areas where households spend their money, and I think when we look at cost of living, we need a holistic approach rather than, you know, piecemeal or ad hoc approaches. Uh, Paul, do you think uh, government should disaggregate the d- domestic consumer category? That w- they should make a distinction between uh, the B40, the M40 in terms of tariffs? Are you talking of energy or general? Yeah, it could be energy, it could water. No, I, I think definitely. I mean, of course, when we talk of B40, yes. But you see, well, what's also happening is those in the M40, especially at the lower ends, uh, they also lose us. So in terms of categorization, I mean, this is one of the biggest concerns. They say, look, if you're B40, you qualify. If you've got a lot of money, you don't need the help. But what about those in between? So definitely, I mean, this is what is called targeting. No, I mean, if we need to target so that those who deserve get and those who do not deserve pay. I think that that's a fair proposition now. Datuk Paul, thanks for speaking with us today. That was Datuk Dr. Paul Silveraj, Secretary General of FOMCA, uh, speaking to us about the um, news that electricity tariffs will not be raised for domestic consumers and in a larger sense weighing in on uh, rising costs of living and what more needs to be done. Uh, keep those thoughts coming. Have you noticed costs going up? Uh, and what are your tips to save money? You can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Break from monotony. BFM 89.9. It is 7.19. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we're closing off our conversation on the rising costs of living uh, by continuing uh, to look at your comments on and tips on how to deal with that. Keep those thoughts coming through. Have you noticed costs going up? What money-saving tips do you have? You can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, and uh, we have plenty of thoughts still. Food has been the biggest theme of today, uh, which is no surprise considering the fact that the r- survey that we based our show on found that In general, um, the ways that people are thinking about saving money have focused a lot on food, eating out less, uh, eating at home cheaper, cutting down on food delivery. So uh, if we look at what the messages are saying, uh, let's start with Francesca, who says, I can get mixed rice, two veg, one piece steamed fish with rice for 10 ringgit to 11, depending on the person calculating. There's the trick. Um, If I order minced meat with one taofu and a veg with rice, it can be under 10 ringgit. Francesca, good deal. I will say, though, so much rides on the person with the calculator. It's such a thing. (laughs) No, and then sometimes, right, you take like three tofu instead of two and suddenly you're like, wait, how is this calculated? At what point do I graduate to the more expensive bracket of tofu taking? Or at what point do you graduate to the, this is an extra serving of lauk. You you cross the line. (laughs) So we have, let's see, in terms of uh, talking about food, Charlotte saying, eating out less and cooking my meals really helped me save quite significantly. Working from home helps as well. I go to the office two days a week now and eating out at a mall is so costly. So now I cheap, uh, I choose cheaper groceries. For example, I buy seafood less often and spend on cheaper protein sources. A lot to unpack there. Let's talk about the food before we talk about working from home, which I think is a wider conversation. Um, so cheaper protein sources, do you both think about that? Because I I think about it a fair amount. I do. Um, I also am, I don't cook a lot of meat at home uh, because I was raised in a vegetarian household. Um, and so because of that, my choices of protein choices are so limited um, that perhaps it's not so much a concern for me. 
Well, you know, I buy uh, fish and all kinds of fish, and I like fish. And so when I go to the manga, fish manga, I do... Well, I've noticed because how expensive fish is. Because uh, they're cheaper fish uh, and sardines are very nutritious. Yes. And a f- it's still very affordable fish to get. And tinned, uh, if you wanted to scale down even well, further. Well, no, I mean, I wouldn't go down to, you know, processed sardines. But but meaning if you wanted fresh fish, mm. it's expensive, but it's, it's affordable, I think, uh, for most people to to get that instead of the other types of fish that are in the market. But, um, yeah, I I think, you know, for me, it's really a strange turnaround in logic. It always was a cheaper option to eat out, in Malaysia at least, because you could... Because to to stay home, to cook, to have the oil, to have all that stuff together actually would would take more time and money, I think, then. Unless you're cooking in bulk at home. So a friend of mine who was visiting um, pointed out that uh, he found it really interesting how we have things like 24-hour mama. And the question was, who's eating there? And I realized that actually this is something that's fairly unique to Malaysia exactly because of that, that often for many people, it's cheaper to just plan your breakfast en route to work uh, because it's actually really quite uh, affordable to just grab a pack of nasi lemak or a roti chanai on the way to work compared to keeping staples at home or having to cook um, and then it being sufficiently filling enough to last you. So you're, I think you're absolutely right, although I don't know how much longer that's going to be true. Tempeh is a big one. <laughs> Sorry, I've just been protein waiting. Protein sources. Yes, protein yeah. sources. I just wanted to say tempeh is um, a favourite. So if we talk about the working from home, um, I think that I re- it's, it's funny because I agree that it saves money in that uh, you're a bit more free to do some of the stuff we're talking about, cook and, and so on and so forth, um, parking, fuel, that there's all that stuff that factors in or however it is you get to work. But I also remember people complaining about the rising cost of um, amenities or, or rather in the cost of their utilities when they were working from home, the issue of electricity, the issue of... Um, you know, just having to scale up their own working space. But I suppose the working space issue was a fixed cost, right? Once you invest, uh, once you invested in that space, that was done. But it's funny now looking back because I do remember there being lots of conversations at the time about how working from home for some people proved to be quite expensive. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes these conversations happen uh, for a group of people. Like I think single people, uh, you know, largely shifting their money around to different things are giving priorities to different parts of their lives. But I wonder about people who have fixed costs that come through, say, children. If you have children, and I think, you know, uh, Dr. Paul just now mentioned some things like kindergarten costs. And I've seen some comparisons on Twitter that people have brought up between uh, what a private school, over a thousand ringgit uh, compared to maybe 50 or so ringgit in one of those government-run, you know, uh, uh, kindergartens. And those costs uh, must be phenomenal for for families. And so, yeah, the options that are available for for singles and for young people versus families, I think there's a huge divide there. So this is an interesting one. And, and uh, you know, I'm a little bit invested because I've thought about this as well. Ricky says, save money by subscribing to a mobile prepaid plan instead of postpaid. For instance, I was using a particular brand's postpaid um, and then I switched to a prepaid. And it is, I'm looking at the calculation, almost four times saving, um, which is uh, which is quite a significant amount. And this is advice that I've actually heard from a number of people, particularly in the last two years. I pay for a family plan, yeah. so it's a little bit difficult. Well, you have a family. I live, you know. Oh, okay. I, all right. All right. <laughs> I, I don't think Tears that... streaming down my cheeks now. Uh, well, okay. So, like I said, I mean, these life hacks are, are great because they, they do remind you of things that could be saving, but it takes effort as well. So, I remember fr- I have a friend who does do coupons for supermarkets, and I think the the amount of planning that has to go into Clipping the coupon and, you know, organizing yourself so that the coupon is used in, in particular ways. And I, that is, sounds like I so much the, work. I think the modern version of that is the, do you know how to use your points and discounts in the right place the and keeping backs. track, the cashbacks. Yeah. I have friends who are so organized, like they'll know um, this uh, this platform is offering a discount to eat at this place within this time frame. So we should go to this place at this time. I, But that kind of planning takes time. Okay, so um, we've got 
uh, just about four minutes, three minutes left to go. And it's at this point that I want to talk a bit about privilege because I think uh, one thing I've been thinking throughout the show is I'm careful with my money, but I also um, have the luxury, I think, of not being, of not having to think, to spend, to spend my time thinking too hard, not about how I save and all, which I which I do pay attention to, but to these sorts of hacks. And, and I, I bring this up because um, I don't like doing this. I like planning um, long term. I like thinking about how to save, where to invest and, and you know, basically my portfolio. But I don't enjoy um, spending a lot of time thinking about the nitty gritty of how to save money. And mm. I think that that has to do with um, time poor versus having a little bit more disposable income. And it's a privilege. It is 100% a privilege. But I think so much depends on how you think about money. Um, I agree. And, and you know, to, to a certain extent, this entire conversation, as, as Sherrod, you pointed out earlier, right? Um, middle class money problems are different from B40 money problems. And and I think that um, while we may be struggling with different uh challenges, you're right that some of it does have to do with where you place money versus time, uh, where you place effort or, or even uh, your mental well-being versus money, um, which perhaps is a privilege that if you were earning less, you couldn't even think about. Yeah, I, this is a conversation for another day about how how do we as a society think about those who for whom the cost of living crisis is a monthly crisis on the precipice of ruin, and those people who have to go to an along, for instance, to bridge, you know, simple things like food on the table. So I think, and and where government can come in, programs like you know meals for children. Uh, these are larger questions for policymakers, but also for taxpayers. Do we want to, you know, have our tax money go to support the working class in this country? Keep those thoughts coming. You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can send us a WhatsApp or tweet us. So keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.